0: G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Project Sports. We've got an action-packed show lined up for you today. I'm here with uh, Zach Rubb. How are you today, bro? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Good. It's definitely not golf weather. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. What's the date today? It's about the, the 14th. 14th of June. Um, we well, were going to play another game of golf for Savi, but it's, it's been raining all day. So why don't we start off with uh, how the golf went on Friday. I'm sure the listeners would love to hear how you went again.
1: Yeah, look, mate. I'm uh, I'm now five and so so haven't picked up a win yet. Yep. I feel like I'm playing better, but I just yep. can't seem to to get yep. that elusive yep. win. Just consistency, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yep. You think your time's coming, but then you know the other bloke just steps up their game and sweeps in from under your feet and takes it out again.
1: Look, I think you should be worried, mate. I'm, I'm getting my drives, they're, they're going straight, so if I pick up that short game,
0: yeah, yeah. you're in all the of There's sorts a lot of other shots to play than your drive, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially um, when I'm playing. And tips this week, mate. Um, I'm just having a look at some statistics here. Mm-hmm. So NRL, so far I've got, I've got four right. You're yep. only three, so I'm going to pull... Pro- I'm going to say two tips again mm-hmm. on you this week. Uh, you've taken the doggies this afternoon.
1: Well, tomorrow.
0: Oh, that's right. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, you've taken the Doggies uh, and we've both gone the Sharks. So uh, I think I'm going to get two up on you this week. AFL's going to look uh, all even for us though. We're both four so far. Both gone the Giants, both gone the Bombers, and both gone the Dogs as well. So we're going to come in even this week in the AFL. But let's get into the show. So we've got um, an action-packed show today. Zach's going to take us through all the latest NRL news. I'm going to take us through some things happening in the AFL world. Uh, we've got a halftime rubdown where Zach's going to have a crack at some journalists, I believe. Uh, a bit of controversy. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sick of it, and I think someone needs to be held accountable. So stick wait. around for that one if you want to hear me blow up. I can't wait. <laughs> I've I've heard him blow up for weeks about it, so yeah, this is going to be good. And uh, week number four of our A to Z sports, so we're up to D, and I'm looking forward to see what. Uh, Zach picks today And what he, what he thinks I'm going to choose actually So why don't you kick us off mate um, NRL News, what is happening? Yeah so we'll start off with uh, The latest and the breaking news
1: um, That come around this morning And that is that we've had a coronavirus scare So as we said before The, the Bulldogs and the Roosters They were supposed to play this afternoon at 4pm um, I have now have an extra chance To make sure that my jersey looks nice and clean For tomorrow night As it's been postponed till then but essentially, what what has happened is that the Bulldogs forward Aiden Tolman, his uh, s- the school where his children attend, one of the school teachers has reportedly been uh, tested positive to coronavirus. So um, obviously, then he has notified notified the club, uh, and they've gone from there in terms of sorting that out and and having to postpone to make sure that everyone gets appropriately tested. But um, it does beg the question, though, and I've seen this in a few comments that I've looked at this morning already, and that is, is this the reason that we probably shouldn't have have played any sport this year, or is, or is this just something that we'll have to deal with, I guess, moving forward? And, yeah, I'd like to get your thoughts on that, Mr.
0: Wolski. Yeah, well, I mean, it just depends how stringent they're going to be with the testing process if it's really that serious of a risk. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to give any medical advice here about coronavirus, but are they going to test all the players in the Bulldogs team and all the staff and also all the players who Bulldogs played last week? Because from what the research has shown, it does take, I think it's seven to 10 days for the symptoms to show up for coronavirus. Um, so it depends how stringent they're going to be. If they're just going to be like, Oh, we're going to test a couple of blokes just in case, you know, they're really doing their due diligence or is it just something they're doing just so they can continue on with playing games? Yeah. And
1: you make a really good point. So if- if the Dragons are then being exposed to that from last week, um, the Dragons play this afternoon against the yeah. Sharks. So yeah. are then any of the Sharks players then exposed to it? So, yeah, how far do we go, I guess? And, uh, yeah, we're not certainly going to sit here and talk about our own political view, but it's just interesting to look at uh, and, and to think that, yeah, maybe this is the reason why, obviously, there, was, there were people against this, you know sports coming back. And understandably so, we we get that, but um yeah, it will be um, interesting to see how things play out. And I think if you know, if we do all of a sudden get a second out- outbreak or if something more does come from this where a player is tested positive, then I think we're yeah, we're in for some big issues and I I don't think you'll see the rest of the season
0: being played out, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, who knows what's gonna happen, I guess, is the hard thing and um it just again it depends how stringent they're gonna be on the testing and what kind of measures they put in place. I was, I was actually under the impression that they were going to be more isolated, though, from the outside world. But obviously they're still in contact with family members and, and friends and, you know, children, obviously, which is understandable. Yeah, I mean, you, I guess your children still got to
1: go to school too, don't they? Like, yeah, you've got to
0: have some sort of normality, but... But then you've got, obviously, all partners and girlfriends and, and wives who all have jobs, who go out into the outside world and go do the groceries... Um, they're all going to come come into contact with other people as well. So, other, either you're going to test people every time that there's there's news, or um, I don't know. Do you not worry about it and risk it? But yeah. they just can't do that. That'd be silly.
1: No, that's it. And you know, we're obviously glad and thankful that we do have some sport back. So hopefully, the 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 right protocols are in place, and yeah, we get this sorted out, and everyone's tested, and hopefully everything comes back all good, and and we'll have the doggies play the roosters tomorrow night, and we'll. We'll move on from there.
0: And if it if it's any, um, I guess, consolation prize, it just means you'll be happy on Monday. So we'll get one good day of work in, and then you'll be cranky from Tuesday.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I actually said this to my partner this morning. I said, how good is it? We're going to go from Thursday to Sunday. We normally have footy. However, this week it's going to be Thursday to Monday again. So I've only got to wait, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, two mm. days, and then we've got more footy back on. So... I, I count it as a
0: win, actually. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Aidan. Tom. Keep that side for you, making Zach's uh, bulldog dreams alive. Excellent. Uh, the second thing that we'll
1: crack into this morning is some of the latest um, player movements and signing users. and we're going to have a, a bit of a chat about our thoughts behind that. First one, Isaac Luke has been confirmed that he'll move from the Dragons to Red Hill, so he's going to be playing for the Broncos potentially as early as next week. And then we've also got Luke Thompson. So Luke Thompson is a front-rower from England. He'll be played for St. Helens, and he is now been signed by the Bulldogs. They originally signed him from next year. However, he's got an early release to be able to come here. He's going to spend 14 days in isolation. I believe he arrived Saturday morning. And then he will... So he'll spend 14 days in isolation from there, and he'll be... Ready to play For the doggies So
0: Where's he been released from Sorry mate
1: Ah St. Helens over in, in Is that club currently trip. running uh, I Couldn't tell you To be honest I Don't think so Yeah I don't yeah. believe They have been playing Which is essentially why He's I believe the they're going to yeah. Get a release There was a bit of a transfer um, Fee involved there That they had That was sort of I think delaying mm. What was going on But I think I mean they've obviously Settled that now Between the two clubs And both parties are happy And the Bulldogs Have got their man it does beg the question, though, for us... I've got two here. And firstly, should there be some sort of transfer window? Or should it just be an open slather all year long? Or should we just not have any player movements during the year? Because, I don't know, this is getting a little bit
0: ridiculous for me. Mm. I had it. I absolutely had it. I think it's an absolute joke to have players move around like this. I, I would just say, though, in... um. What's the, mate, what's the old mate who's come to the Bulldogs? Luke Thompson? I would say in Luke Thompson's case, a little bit different. He's he's not currently playing. Um, so there, there may be some case for, for that to happen. But in the case of Isaac Luke, he's got a contract which he has signed and now he's gone, got a release from that contract to come to another club. I think it's an absolute joke. It's also a bit of a rub in the face for uh, probably young Corey Pakes and also Jake Turpin, who... I'm assuming they're working quite hard to cement their spot in number nine uh, for the Broncos. And now Luke's going to, and I've got nothing against Isaac Luke here, by the way, um, but he's walking into a, a spot um, that those two boys have been working really hard for just out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's tough.
1: Players are just trying to do, you know, Isaac Luke's just doing what's best for him in terms of his situation. He wants more game time, he's not getting any at the Dragons. Um, so you can understand him wanting to move, but I totally agree that uh you know, it's it's almost unfair on, you know, young Corey Pakes, who's got his debut now. Unfortunately because Jake Turpin's been injured. But when Jake Turpin comes back, what does that mean for him? He was yep. in my opinion, he's been a standout for the Broncos over the past eighteen months. And does he not get a spot now? Is he gonna you know, will be will he be coming off the bench? Then what happens to Corey Pakes? He hasn't you know, I don't think he's done anything done wrong, wrong in, no. in his um in his debut. He's um they did get flogged, but it wasn't his fault. No, not his fault. So he's he's been really solid. Uh, I think he's made fifty plus tackles in both games. So you know he's going really well. And it just yeah. So for me, I, I would I personally would like to see some sort of transfer window where we just we know these things can potentially happen. Whether it's like a month or a two week period where it's just a little bit frantic and we go bang 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 get your player swaps done, but. What's the point in seeing a couple of player swaps now, a couple of player swaps in a couple more
0: weeks mm. and, and so forth? Because so. really, is your spot ever safe then in that case? And it just begs the argument of, you know, you said before, Isaac Luke's probably doing the best thing for him. Um, but I don't think the world should work like that. You know, yeah. it's it seems, you know, a little bit selfish to some degree. Um, He's he's going to come in and take someone else's spot potentially. Um. You know that's how the really great clubs do thrive. Is it's not about me; it's about the team. And um, you know, you, you look at something like an, an All Blacks, so the world be uh, other. Sorry, the um, New Zealand Rugby Union team, all about what is best for the team, not what's what best for the individual. So, I think if if players could actually realise that, you'd, you'd probably find a bit more success in the longevity of their careers.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree, mate. And um, probably brings us on to the next question where. Um, we'll look at what will these signings do for the team. So, so leaving apart the side of of how we feel whether they where they should have gone there or whether should there should be a window or what should happen there. Or there's just no no signings non stop. You just stick your contract out. Yeah, what do you think these guys will bring to the to the teams that they're heading to? I guess Isaac Luke as a hooker for me. Obviously, you, you do have Jake Turpin out and you've got young Corey Pakes in there who's, you know, only played two games of NRL. So certainly, Isaac Luke's going to bolster their experience um, and from a coach's perspective, hopefully, yeah, lead that team around the park. And, you know, I always also look at, for, for Corey Pakes, hopefully he sees this as a good opportunity to learn from someone that's played 250-plus NRL games mm. and is an international, uh, rather than, I guess, as you said, it it could be a bit of a... You know, kick in the guts. I hope that he does bounce back from this and makes him hungrier to fight for his spot and and help him develop into a better player, yeah, as well as Turpin as well. Because um, they've probably
0: there. both lost um, a mentor and Andrew McCullough. Yeah, certainly. Um, I he's mean, gone down again. to the night, so, um, you know, potentially that... You know, that This may have been cooking for months as well. It, it's it's probably not something that's just been a snap decision by the Broncos and they've just gone, oh, let's, let's do this. It's probably been cooking for a little while. Um, while the lockdown was on. So um, maybe it's their way of bringing some experience in, mentor those two younger guys, and, and hopefully that increases their chances in the future of, of having some longevity in their careers too.
1: Yeah, and I think it'll also benefit the halves. So Brodie Croft and Anthony Milford, if, if Isaac Luke can control the ruck and get a bit of speed going around the ruck, I think it's going to give those two players more time. Brodie Croft, obviously, to direct the park, the team around the park. And then just give Anthony Milford, hopefully for you Broncos supporters, some sort of – be able to play some sort of ad-lib footy and just play off the cuff and really look up, play eyes up footy and see what's in front of him. Because at the moment, you know, we're obviously the Broncos are on a bit of a losing streak and there's a lot of talk around Anthony Milford being Mm -hmm. paid a million dollars and all this sort of stuff and not running the footy and all that. So hopefully – it can create some op- opportunities for, for those two moving forward as well. So mm. the pressure backs will, off them. Will Luke come in
0: and start playing straight away? Like, or is he... Well, I'm not
1: sure. I mean, this only happened yesterday. So, I'm, you know, I don't know. I guess it's the coach's decision. Sure. You yeah. know, I, I would hope that he's going to somehow earn a spot because if you, as we've sort of said previously, if you, if you just walk in, that's certainly going to put mm. at least... You know, your two hookers offside, plus what's that going to do for the rest of the team that thinks, uh, well, you can just walk in here and do whatever. So I'm sure I'm sure, the coaches will sort that out. I'm sure Seabold's um, not silly in that department and you might see Isaac Luke play from the bench. We or might have even a see Broncos
0: but... score a try.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I do right Thursday, mate. Give him a break. <laughs> um, Alrighty. Anyway, moving on to some more exciting news rather than being a little bit dour. there. We've got... Uh, I'm going to talk about the Eels now who are 5-0 and and they're off to the best start they've had in the last 34 years. And so what, what we're going to do is we're going to put up a poll on Facebook and Instagram this week, which we are looking for a sponsor for this poll. So any, any listeners out there that own a business and want to get involved there, feel free to get in touch with us.
0: And you can only sponsor us in Golf Lessons for Zach.
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, the, the poll this week on Facebook and Instagram is going to be whether or not the Eels deserve to be favourites for the competition. Now I I'm gonna go with yes they do. They're obviously best start in thirty four years. And in the last two weeks they've beaten a really strong manly outfit and a Panthers team that you know, I rate both of those teams as really good popular chances okay. this year. There yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be playing finals footy. And so I think that's been fantastic that they've... And they beat the Broncos. So a you couple wins. Well, you know, and I've tipped the Broncos up there as well. So, you know, that's they gave them a hiding, and that's no, no easy feat up at, up in Brisbane. So I think there's certainly some merit to those wins too. It's not just... It hasn't just been easy, blow-away wins. Um, and then moving into next week, I think they'll have their... They're a real challenge. They're going to play the Roosters, who are back-to-back premiers. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they... What sort of performance they put forward there? If they go down by a little bit, or if they win, I think one hundred percent they deserve to be favourites. If they do get blown off the park, there could be some questions there, but I don't think it's panic stations at all. Any team that you know starts five and zero in the in the NRL, yeah, need to be considered as mm. a real threat. You know, it's no easy feat to just go out there and win five games on the trot. Yeah,
0: no, I know it's a, it's a it's a little while away yet, but who are you tipping? Eels or Roosters? Um. Oh. I'll probably go the Eels, and that'll also come off
1: the fact that the Roosters now, instead of a six-day turnaround, will have a five-day turnaround because they have got to play tomorrow. So yep. I just think they'll be a little bit disgruntled there. Not Certainly not taking anything away from the Eels if they do manage to win next week. I think either way, they'll, it'll still be a really tough game. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tip the Eels there to make it six on the trot. But one thing that really caught my eye with the Eels is on... Uh, Friday night, they were down 10-0 for the majority of the game. They sort of, they just looked a little bit crunky at stages, Look a little bit flustered when they were attacking Penrith's line, and then in an eight-minute time frame, they put on three tries and ended up winning the game 16-10, and then you've got your strike weapons like Wonga Blake on, on Friday night. He was the main one of the main reasons for scoring those three tries along with um the forwards um brown moving going forward through the middle was fantastic you've just got those strike weapons and Mitchell Moses after that happened he just really took control of the game and um, and set it to their tempo so certainly i think the eels
0: are going to be a team to be reckoned with this year mm. and not the titans after that uh, one win they had no, 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 I don't think I ever said that. I just... Oh, okay, yeah, I just saw by that uh, Facebook post that got put up that you were tipping them for uh, Grand Finals. <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: they'll be improvers, but they'll get better. Just checking, yeah, they'll so get they'll better. get two wins this
0: year, is that what you're saying? Yeah, 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 that'll yeah, be good. Good. That'll okay. Okay. Mate, any other NRL news? Um, Last thing that I'm going to touch on is I
1: want to have a look at um a player this week, and to the surprise of... Probably everyone, but in particular Liam, who just keeps giving me non-stop crap about this. Uh, it is not. I'm not talking about one of the Morris boys today, I've gone for someone
0: different. Oh, I thought, so I thought you had the new two players to play now, Robert.
1: No, no, I've got, I've got a third now. So today I'm going to have a look at Latrell Mitchell and his transformation into a fullback. I think he's getting much better week to week. What are your thoughts initially on that Corey look? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I may not have seen a whole lot
0: from him, but no, I did. I did watch the game this week, and yeah, it looked he looked pretty dangerous. So, uh, but I only heard feedback from his poor performances, I guess, earlier on, um, in that position. So I don't really have any visual yeah. feedback, but um, yeah, he looked he looked dangerous. So I think as they start to gel more as a team, then the Barney could certainly um benefit from him being in that position. Yeah, and as he said, he's copped a lot of slack um, early
1: on for his performances. But I'm going to read out some stats now, and I'm going to actually compare him to James Tedesco, who's you know, argu- arguably the best fullback um, playing right now in the NRL. So at the moment, Latrell Mitchell in his five games at fullback, he now has one try, he's got five try assists, six line break assists, only the one line break to himself, but he's got 28 tackle breaks, He's had four hundred and sixty run meters, uh, and that's an average of ninety two meters uh, per game. So you probably wouldn't say too high there, but compared to Teddy, you Now, Teddy has admittedly he's only had three games. He had last week off um, due to um, his testing. His testing where his uh, temperature was too high, but he has he's only got one try himself. He's had zero try assists. He's only had one line break assist, and he's had two line breaks himself. He's had twenty five tackle busts and seven hundred and seventy three run meters, and that's an average of two hundred and fifty seven. So the first thing there that stands out to me is obviously in less games, Teddy has almost the same amount of tackle busts, and he's You know, he's absolutely smashing Latrell in terms of total total run meters, uh, almost double in. Two less games at the moment, so the argument there is basically, you know, clearly, Teddy's superior in those two things. But what Latrell Mitchell is doing is he's actually still having some sort of impact on the attacking ability of Souths. I mean, he's accounted for five of their try assists and he scored one himself. So he's certainly starting to put his own mark on the fullback position, and I think. The more that he does that, the more he'll start running the ball. So the more tackle breaks he'll get and overall run meters as he obviously gets more involved and fitter as well. Like there's no denying, you know, he probably didn't look his fittest at the start mm. of the year. But the more games he plays, you know, Wayne Bennett's one of the best for it. He doesn't want his players' feet uh, peak physical condition in round one. He wants Luttrell peak it by round twenty moving into the finals. Yeah, and, in the grand final. and I think moving forward, I think if Latrell can really Get um his hands on the footy more, make more runs, and still have those impacts, um by scoring tries and try assists. Then I think that bunnies, they'll start to look more dangerous as they start to string it together as well. Mm.
0: My my biggest thing is probably as good as he is, he's still a little bit lazy in some of the contests. You know, you see your best fullbacks Tedesco and um, someone who was really impressive the other night was is it Travovitch? Yep, Uh, from Manly just absolutely kills himself until the dying stage of every single play. And Latrell almost looks, looks like he switches off. If you know someone's got it covered or um, it's out of his reach, just switches off and, and stops. So um, that's another area of improvement as well. It might be a strategy of you know conserving the energy, but I'd rather see just players just give it their all and, and um, flog themselves. Yeah,
1: 100%. And obviously he's copped some criticism for that as well. So if he can get that right, Along with how he's already travelling in five games, I think by the back mm. end of the year he, yeah, we could be talking about him as one yeah, of the best, one yeah. of the one of the great fullbacks, I guess. So yeah. hopefully for his sake, we want players to do well. Hopefully, hopefully for his sake that he um he continues to work hard and improve, and yeah, the banners will be round about the finals as well. Yeah. Yep. Excellent, mate. Well, that's all I have. So let's head on into some AFL news and let's. Show what you got. I can't wait yeah. to talk about one game in particular. But well, look, I'll take
0: you quickly through what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, low scores and uh, if we're going to see them more or if it's going to be uh, something that we uh, we don't really talk about too much. We're going to talk about uh, my questions around the injury process for players. I'm going to do everything at all costs to avoid talking about one game in particular. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about the potential for us to see a small forward win the Coleman medal this year. Which, uh i i 've got my eye on someone, uh, I know you love him but uh I do see. too,
1: yeah, and he's at ten dollars at the moment on sportss so well
0: yeah a yep. bit of a punting fanatic I think my account's, responsibly, but I can 't stand to fourteen dollars <laughs> now after this weekend, so um I'll make a hundred and forty bucks there so um the low scoring has been something that people have been throwing out a fair bit with the reduced quarters um so we're, we're down to 16 minutes of time on um, rather than 20 minutes. Um, so you've sort of lost you've lost 20% of game time overall. Yep. It has had an effect on things like uh, probably disposal counts. It's had an effect on, say, distance covered. So I've, I've, I've looked back at some of the games. Uh, sort of your top five players covered between about 15 and 17 kilometres for a, a game in 2019. And we've seen about 12 to 13 Ks for the top five players um, so far this year. Um, obviously, we're only looking at two rounds though, so it's a um, small amount of data to look at. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously the AFL's way of reducing the risk of injury um, on their players um, by bringing that back a little bit. Low scores, like obviously we opened up with Richmond versus Collingwood. Um, Thursday night ended up a 36 all draw. And that's pretty well rugby league score. Um, it didn't
1: look entertaining did it like you no
0: i unfortunately didn't get to see it because i was at work um so i was disappointed in not being able to watch the whole game but um yeah look i got home 36 all, i was like oh well it would have been boring um but the feedback from a few people was that you know it was a tight contest obviously my two tips for two of the top four teams um, and i think that's just something that we may see um with two really close teams going together, Um, they might negate their scoring a bit and with the limited time, um, you just won't see those big, big scores. Um, But it looks like some of the other teams didn't didn't get the email about um, not scoring high. The Cats scored 100 points in their 60-point thrashing of um, Hawks. Shout out to Wayne Carlish if you're listening. Um, Port Adelaide absolutely flogged um, the Crows over there in South Australia. They looked... I told you, top four for Port.
1: Yep. Well, yep. as I said, only two games in. Only two time. games it's in, but tried, two yeah. wins, so two big wins
0: for Port Adelaide. Um. So there's my tip there. Um. And two Queensland teams, like Lions, kicked about eighty points, and Suns kicked ninety points yesterday against West Coast. And they're, you know, they're not massive scores, but that's an average, average sort of a score. You know, yeah, 80, 80 points. So yeah. Um. We definitely, obviously, they didn't get the memo about not kicking um too many goals.
1: Yeah, I think moving forward with the 16-minute quarters, I guess, you've got 20% less. But I think by reducing that time and then increasing the amount of interchanges, I've talked about this before, that you'll have fresher players on the field at any one time. And my personal feel is that when you get two quality teams like your Richmond and your um, and your Magpies, that you know, you, you're probably going to see a lower score because... They're already you know one of the fit or couple of the fittest teams in the comp, and they're helped out by continually fresh players, so there will be a contest in terms of on the field, but will we see the goals that we're used to seeing? Maybe not. I think you're still going to have big blowouts with you know really good teams playing mm-hmm. the lower teams and things like that, but that's just my general feel. About it is when you get two quality teams, or or even not even just necessarily quality teams, but two teams that are you know on par with each other, you may start to see those lower scoring games, and if teams are smart about it, then they might tactically be able to try and keep the game a little bit closer. Yep. By utilizing the less playing time along with their interchanges, so yeah, yeah. you might see a few more contests even from some lower teams, but. We've seen it in the NRL as well. You're still going to have your blowouts and your tight games. It's going to depend on the teams and how they turn up to play, I think. Yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, one thing that we, we don't want to see, though, I suppose, as, as spectators, is you, you do get this quite a lot in, uh, in, in the past, is when a team is up by, say, three goals with five, six minutes to go. Um, you know, in Aussie rules, you have the potential to keep a goal a minute, um, so, what you see is when you, you get up a few goals up coming close to the end of that last quarter, teams do usually hold possession and they'll try and chip it around and maintain that possession to wear down the clock. Um, what we don't want to see, and I've probably noticed a little bit in the Brisbane Fremantle game, um, Freo come back at them pretty well in that last quarter. Uh, Lions kicked a couple of quick goals, so they went up by the two goals again, and then they just sort of play that possession game and for three or four minutes, they just wound down the clock. Um, sort of, you know, just held onto the ball, and that's what we don't want to see as, as spectators, because you sort of, if you have the teams who are up by say five or six goals going into a, a sixteen minute final quarter, you might not even see a last quarter. It might just be a, a game of possession, and um, that's not what we want to see, obviously. So yeah, you
1: still want to see that entertainment factor. Of yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to see goals. Everyone wants to,
0: you know. Yeah. Yep. See points scored. Yeah, which is the exciting thing about Aussie rules is you can see, you know. Six and eight goal quarters as well, um, which allows teams to come from those bigger margins down, um, and come over the top of the team in the last quarter. And you see that with your fitter teams, um, your Richmonds and whatnot. They can really run ragged over teams in that last quarter. So, um, which makes it exciting. Um, Patrick Dangerfield celebrated his two hundred fiftieth game this week. Um, so the big danger clocks up two fifty, which is well deserved. He's he's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. Um, not his highest disposal game. 24 disposals, one goal, six score involvements. Um, so I'd say he had a pretty good game there. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And I, look, I think Geelong should be a lot higher up than what they are. Just, they don't have the the forward line and the back line to match their midfield. Didn't you tell us that they were that's going to is, be in the eight? That's what I'm saying. They should, they should, with their midfield, Dangerfield, Ablett, Selwood. If you heard those names... That would be a top eight team for sure. I can't believe you're right them off. they they're not going to be in the top eight. Then. You're That's, kidding. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> kidding. They won't be in the top eight. <laughs> all right. But alrighty. Oh, unfortunately for for Paddy Dameshield, they won't be in the top eight because he's an absolute <laughs> weapon. But anyway, your Carlton boys. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> They got close. They got close.
1: You put you put that extra twenty percent back into the game,
0: mate. No, they run over the D's and win by mate, forty. They were playing against Melbourne. <laughs> they, they were playing against the Demons. Don't uh, do get too excited about that. They didn't beat West Coast or. Um, no, but the yeah. Suns definitely <laughs> yeah, did. The Suns did. But anyway, that was a game that um we're not going to talk about. Um injury process, though. we had a bit of a chat about this off um off air before. Yeah um about how that injury process works so um one of the Fremantle um players um come off in i think he come off in the third quarter yep um which sort of left them exposed in the ruck a little bit um but he had his knee just heavily taped up and, and the commentators were talking about him having to go off for scans and um what on. it posed me just to think about what will actually happen to that player or players if they have a suspected injury if they actually leave their hub, so Fremantle, as you know, that it Gold Coast man, no, it's not in their usual environment. Yeah. If they leave their their hub, to go and get a scan on a knee or a shoulder or or a hamstring or whatever, and that comes back as clear, does that player then still have to isolate themselves until they come and rejoin the team again? Yeah, I mean. Again, it's it's interesting. We sort of I feel like we sort
1: of touched on this at the start in a different situation with the NRL, but obviously going through your protocols and I guess I guess the AFL they're gonna have. Do you know what if they do you know if they have anything I, set or I don't. That's yeah. And this is
0: obviously not a normal time as well because you mentioned say the Broncos before who have yep. the facilities to, if a player got injured. So say if Brodie Croft injured his knee. Um, he can go back to training and they've got the scanning centre right across the road. However, those people who are working there and running the scans, I assume, still go home to their families yeah. um, who have con- come into contact with other people. So you would imagine if he gets the all clear and says, right, well, yep, you can go back and train, um, he's still coming into contact with other people and they're running that risk of uh, being exposed to um, the virus. And, and um, yeah. I just don't know if they're going to take that risk or... They just they just they do, and live with the consequences after
1: yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't have an answer for you, to be honest I've got
0: yeah I, I don't know, I,
1: I really don't I guess my only thing would be potentially if they're you know a, a, attending private clinics that have been uh, closely monitored in lockdown that haven't really been operating maybe too much, and things like that, then yes, you're still getting exposed, but maybe not at, at a higher risk. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't have too much of an answer. But um No I, I, you, know, you don't you don't want to be seeing a player then miss the next two weeks two weeks of footy. If he actually has if, they're if they're fine mm. and they don't have the injury but they've had to get tested. Well, but love... then you also run the risk of you know, not saying this is the case, but if uh if you do have to isolate or whatever afterwards, you don't want to get to the case where you go, Oh, let's have a look at your knee, we'll assess it and we might we maybe just not suggesting that anyone would do this, but we might just go play Oh, it doesn't seem like there's an injury here, so let's strap so you up. let They're having to take a risk with yeah, that player. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and I'm not saying that, that teams would ever take that risk, um, but if that were a case, potentially to happen because you know, they might lose their star player for two weeks, mm. if they do just go to the hospital, then mm. that does start to become an issue for teams and their player managements and yeah. That is risky then.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, look, I'd love an answer. So, Gil McLaughlin, um, I know you're listening, mate, so if you can just um, message us on, on whatever you choose, Instagram or Facebook, or um, we'll put up our exact private mobile number as well. Um, you just send us a text and let us know what the process is. And who's the, um, the CEO for the NRL, mate? Uh, Peter Valandis. Volandis, if you can just um, yeah, get in contact with us <laughs> as well, mate, we'd really appreciate that. Well, um,
1: I actually think he was gonna, he's looking at buying some, some of the airlines. Yeah right. So I thought.
0: Well, I thought he was going to buy some shares in Project Sports. Might be.
1: Well, I was going to say might be Project Sports. Might be investing in the airline soon.
0: Um no. We won't be. <laughs> no, we won't be. Um, that's for sure. Well, I won't be anyway. You can do whatever you want with your capital, but. Uh, mate, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is the potential for us to see a small forward win the column medal this year. Yep. Um, I actually had to explain to Zach what a small forward was. So. Let's take this a little step back for all you NRL fans out there. Um, you've got your forwards. Uh, so there's uh, generally a key forward uh, up there. So they're your big, big guy. Um, they're your key mark taker, that you know, big target that they put the best, um, the backman on. on. Um, a small forward is someone who acts as a, more a crumbing player. So if the ball goes to ground off a contested mark, um, they can swoop through, pick up the ball, um, as if they're picking up a crumb off the ground and snap a kick around their body and, and kick a goal. Um, that's not to say they can't mark the footy. So some of your, your best small fours in the game, Eddie Betts, who I know you love as well, yep. he can mark a footy. Uh, Charlie Cameron can mark a footy, like, as in jump on people's shoulders and mark it. Um, one of the best is Liam Ryan. I was about to say Liam Ryan. He from, reminds West, me. from West Coast Eagles. He's about five foot tall, yep. um, yet he can jump seven foot tall. There's actually... I'd love to find this so we can show people. He actually jumped onto Max Gorn's shoulders last year. If you don't know who Max Gorn is, he's uh, the main ruck for um, the Demons. He's 2 metres and 11 centimetres tall. Liam Ryan jumped onto his shoulders, took a mark right in front of the goal square, and uh, kicked a goal. It was an amazing sight. But anyway, a small forward, typically not the common medal winner. I've just gone back through... The last 10 years of common medal winners, all big forwards, um, you know, over the metre 95. I think only Jared Ruffhead is a metre 91 or a metre 93. So he's about my height, six 6'3". Um, but you've got Jeremy Cameron, he's nearly 2 metres tall. Um, Jack Revolt. he's a metre 95. Buddy Franklin, he's 2 metres tall. Josh Kennedy, he's a metre 96. Um, so the last 10 years, you've had... Five different players, um, all be all key forwards. And I had a look back through even further. And I just couldn't find any any small forwards. So I think in the context of the game this year, seeing Charlie Cameron, I got about four text messages from Zach in the Brisbane Lions game. Every time Charlie kicked a goal, he was getting excited. Uh, he kicked four goals in the first half. Um, and he unfortunately didn't kick another one after that. Where did he yeah. get five? Nah, the, he got four. Yeah. So he didn't kick another one in the second half, but... Just shows that he can kick a goal. And for a player like Charlie, if the game's sped up and, and um you know, especially his fatigue creeps in at the end of the game, um, Brisbane Lions, for example, have their two sort of key forwards in Hipwood and Mix Day. Um if the top tu- if the defences focus on those two, um there's potential for Charlie to have quite a few of these four or five goal games. And I'd love to see him win a coal Medal. Well I mean he's
1: the lightning, he's Got great hands. He's gonna sweep on anything that's on the on the ground and pick it up and put yeah. it straight through the post.
0: So, yeah, he's he does excite me. And yeah, I agree with you on this one, mate. For once. Yep. Yep. Oh, and it might not be Charlie either. It might be Eddie Betts from um from Carlton. Yep. Um. But unfortunately, the Carlton uh, midfield have to get it into his hands to for him to uh, actually kick a goal. So they have got to facilitate it. I think, the, I think Charlie's probably got a better chance because he has the firepower in the midfield with Lockie Neal and, and Zorko and the like to actually get it down there. And I'll, I might actually put some money on it. That's, that's not financial advice for anyone who's <laughs> looking to make a quick buck, but I might put a little bit of money on Charlie Cameron to win the coal medal. That's my tip. Lovely. Mate, uh, that's AFL news done. Excellent. Um, we've got a couple games this afternoon. There's one going on right now. Um... Which, Zach's checking the score. We both tipped uh, the Giants.
1: And it or 18-0. 18-0. Time. So,
0: yeah. again,
1: you're seeing probably another low-scoring game here. Yeah, um, that's not helping my cause. Come on, boys. Two two goals, six behind. So, it could be an accuracy issue today yeah. as well. I don't know what like I don't know. What well, what it's probably raining
0: and wet yeah. and windy. It yep. was all hell as well. So, so there's an excuse there for them. But, let's uh, move on. Um, I believe you're going to talk about a bit of controversy for us. So, let's get into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, mate. I, um... I'll I'll try and keep this this quick, but I definitely want to open up hopefully a can of worms with a few people here, and look I just think I'm gonna come out with a statement and say that journo's should be held accountable for their comments. So I don't believe that you can just go out there, rip a story on on an athlete, and then you know if it if it's actually wrong or incorrect information, I think yeah I think you should be held accountable for that because. Yeah we've seen during the week for those of you that, that don't know there was um there was a journalist that came out with a breaking news story on Monday night during the footy that Josh Reynolds a player from the West Tigers had got home from got back to Sydney from Brisbane and was on his way home pulled up by police and had failed a roadside drug test he then went into the uh into the van and he was um he was negative, so he was he was actually fine and the police explained to him that false negatives uh sorry, false positives happen quite often and there was nothing to be alarmed about. He was fine and basically yeah, all good from there. However uh this journalist had come out and said that, you know, created this drama around there's a there's a you know, Josh Reynolds is failed a test, he's going to have more tests done, um, he's not in the clear, all this sort of garbage that carried on then for a couple of days uh, before there was you know, any real clarity around it, but the whole time you know, Josh was obviously quite confident on his uh, social media accounts that he was in the clear and he had no issues, he even said, uh, invited the journalist to come have a chat about it, but of course being the grubby journalist of the years, I guess he probably didn't even contact him at all. And yeah, and I think it's it just it really starts to grind my gears that you can just say whatever the hell you want just to create a headline. This then impacts a player's life, and you know then when the player is all in the clear, yeah, nothing comes from it. No one, you know, no one remembers the fact that he's innocent. Everyone's just going to remember the couple headlines on Monday and Tuesday saying you know NRL star caught, you know, driving whilst on drugs, so, you know, that's what really pisses me off, and, yeah, I think that should be held accountable for that, I think there should be some sort of apology, to, or some sort of punishment, like, seriously, how can you just go out there, and, and, yeah, just, and basically just say whatever you want, you, say whatever you want, and you, there's nothing that's going to happen to you, so, you can make up a story right now, Corey, about anyone you want, say something about the Gold Coast last night that beat you West Coast,
0: Tell, oh, tell, or, tell
1: someone there was a player on drugs there, and they it, were all it won't on, matter.
0: all on performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. Won't matter. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the staff at Raw Pines, where, where West Coast is staying, must have put some sleeping tablets in in their food because they were on they were asleep last night.
1: Yep, hundred percent.
0: So yeah, that, that really grinds my gears, and
1: I I, I understand that um the journalist's job is to create headlines and you know all this sort of stuff, but at the end of the day, when you're putting out false information out there, it, it affects. It affects people's lives. For, so for those who don't
0: know, Zach is obviously a clearly a very sensitive man. Um, I'm actually just—I'll go get a tissue for you, mate, while you're uh, finish off yep. a little tear dripping down your eye. I get what you're saying, but look—he—he hasn't—he hasn't been a, um, a a shining citizen his whole life, has he? He's
1: well, I mean, he has. I mean, off the footy field, you, people say, "Oh, he's a grub" and all this sort of stuff for the way that. You know he plays but at the end of the day that's got absolutely nothing to do with him as a person everything that I've seen on his social media accounts is he seems like a genuine guy that's out there he's doing a lot for the rugby league community does quite a lot um, out and around Sydney with different foundations and things like that and yeah I, I
0: if, if he' was I think an, it's ridiculous if he was an ex Broncos player would you be standing up for him as yeah, well?
1: yeah hundred percent I it, it it goes my gears with all players that unfortunately get dra- their name dragged through the mud, unless there's, you know, some concrete stuff, uh, where these pe- where these players are guilty. Then I think, yeah, why you know, obviously we, we want to hear about that, but for stuff when you don't even know the full story yet to come out and claim certain things is, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Mm.
0: I think it's more ridiculous though when a player is proven guilty for something or they're shown to do something wrong. Uh, and then they get just a little tap on the shoulder of, you know, a little giggle and ha-ha, don't do that again. Yep. Uh, whereas if that was you or me did that in in the normal world, we would potentially face jail time or we'd be seriously charged and probably fired from our jobs, um, not just slapped with a two-week ban and, um, and move on with your lives and return to play again. So that's what I find more um, insulting when when that stuff happens. You know, I think NRL players, you know, NBA players, NFL players have just got to deal with the fact that they're in the spotlight and they're going to get targeted by journalists if they seem to be doing the wrong thing. Um, whether it's wrong or right, you know, we're going to have a blue about this later, yep, we're yep. not recording, but um, whether it's wrong or right, the journalist is probably just making up a story to, to enhance his career, um, but they've got to understand they're in the spotlight and... Career of being a grub. So yeah, I yeah. I will say though, I thought that they weren't doing any roadside drug tests at the moment. Yeah, yeah. well I don't know. This is obviously down in
1: Sydney, so maybe yeah. the um, restrictions are a little bit different. different down there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently that was the case. So yeah,
0: yeah. That's what well in Queensland. That's the thing. I don't believe they're doing um, roadside drug tests at the moment. So um, you know, obviously. Anastasia Palace said it's, it's okay to drive with drugs so <laughs> go on. don't do it like kids seriously <laughs> it's uh, terrible for you um, anything else you want to whinge about mate or oh, that's just that's no mate it. I've had my vent
1: now I think I'm all good so yeah. kick us off into A to Z sports mate which we're yep. up to
0: D today D yeah well you go get yourself a cookie I'll get started with uh, with D here but before you do um, what do you think I've got D I reckon
1: uh, you seem to like the theme with one-sided sports and things like that, so I'm gonna go with darts today. Darts, yeah.
0: I'm gonna really? go darts for D.
1: Well, what you got?
0: I'm gonna burst your bubble. I don't have darts. No good. I do have, however, yeah, the sport of diving.
1: Diving, okay. okay. There you go. So
0: another Olympic sport. So it might be something you catch on to there for yeah, Olympic sports. Yeah, you going in the for the Olympics. Well, I did say discus or fair before, but yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, no, I didn't through with that. I've gone diving, so, um, so imagine not many people know much about diving, and I didn't really either. So, let's crack into it. Um, diving was first introduced to us in the late nineteenth century, um, where it was originally called fancy diving, from what I can gather, used by gymnasts to practice more elaborate tricks, um, where they could actually land in the water. Um, without the risk of injury. We will talk about some diving injuries in a second. Unless you land on your head like yeah. I would. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the gymnasts use it as a way to practice their, their tricks. Yep. Um, and then, obviously, it took off from there, and, and um, people found interest in, in diving off a really high place. I don't know why, but yeah, I will tell you something, though. Scare the crap out of me. Yeah, I am... If If you know me very well, I am absolutely not a uh daredevil but i have jumped off the 10 meter platform before and a pencil dived in <laughs> it was the scariest 10 meter drop of my life um so i'll never go bungee jumping i don't think but i've done the 10 meter jump off the platform the pencil the pencil <laughs> and uh I reckon,
1: as you, I reckon as you were four you wouldn't have been much of a pencil you would have legs kicking arms no no, no it screaming. was good and...
0: yeah, so so i would have scored um i would have scored a five per execution and uh, a difficulty level of .05, so my score would have got me last at the last uh, Olympic Games. But anyway.
1: Just for the listeners here as well, he, he actually wrote that down in his notebook to say that yeah. today. <laughs> well, that's a good <laughs> He's stat. given himself a score.
0: Oh, well, I, I, I compete in everything. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on with uh, the diving. So diving has been uh, in the Olympics since 1904. Um, so pretty rich history and for a lot of sports I've covered so far with the boxing and the cycling, um, females haven't had a good representation until quite late on. Yep. Um, however, females did get their first start in diving in 1912, so they've been yeah, competing right. in it for a long time. Almost the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Um, Australia have competed in, I believe it was 22 Olympics, I think. Um, they've competed in every Olympics apart from nineteen thirty two. Um, the Australia have, Australia has so, um, and you've got your individual um, diving events, and you've also got your synchronized diving events. So, um, which synchronized events were added in the year two thousand? So there are only short, like, four four events, uh, four Olympic games so far. So your main events at the Olympics are the three meter springboard. So that's the bouncy one where you jump on the end up in the air, do your trick, land in the water. You've got your platform, 10 metre platform. So basically, walk up all those stairs. um, Hopefully, you don't vomit on the way as you get to the top. Yeah, do some trick off the top, land in the water. You've also got those two events both synchronised as well. So two people from the same country, um, either male or female, and um, they synchronise their trick together. So the trick is that they try and do it exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so the same events, springboard three metres and also the 10 metre platform as well. Um, I, I find this highly fascinating with the country that has dominated. There's actually two countries. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a guess. Who, who's been the most dominant um, diving country in history?
1: Uh, I don't know, maybe... Oh, with the theory of the gymnasts, I'd go someone like the Chinese...
0: Uh, they're up there, yeah, definitely. So China is second. Uh, two powerhouses here USA first, yep. China second. Yep. 122 potential gold medals yep. in the history of diving. Between USA and China, they've won 89 of them. Wow. So 70% of the gold medals has gone to USA and China. 49 to the US, 40 to China, and then it's a long way down to third, Sweden. The Swedes have only won six, and they're sitting in third. That's crazy, eh? Hey? I mean, it is amazing.
1: That's not just 70% over the last 10 years or something. That's, that's over 116
0: years. That's a long time of history for those two countries just to be flogging people in. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, Australia, we I don't know how well we do, but we're sitting in seventh. We only have won three Olympic gold medals, so... Hundred and twenty two, good. Uh, so I I might even get a call up for my, my pencil. <laughs> um that might just be be consistent, might give me a bronze or something like that. The splash might have been too big. Uh maybe, yeah, but if I can just streamline myself a little bit more then I'm I probably can increase the difficulty and, and get a few extra points. So Good. But yeah, amazing to, to see those stats um for those two countries. Now if you don't know how diving works, I didn't know uh, until I researched this, so um, in the Olympics, there's seven judges for your uh, individual events. Um, and essentially, what they'll do is they'll score you between 0 and 10. Um, when they give in their scores, the top two scores are eliminated and the bottom two scores are eliminated. So that leaves the three judges with the middle three scores. They add them together and then multiply those scores by the difficulty of the, um, the dive that they did. Yeah. So, if you did a dive, so a triple quarter turn, four and a half back inch pike.
1: Yeah, I've done that before actually. It's a new. Oh, that's a, yeah. no, you haven't. it's a new <laughs> one I just invented.
0: Um, and you executed it at seven out of ten. Yep. Yeah. And three of them score you seven. That's twenty one. Yeah. And if the difficulty, which I've made up for that that dive, is three and a half, uh, you'll get seventy three point five will be your score. Lovely. um so that, that's not going to win you gold medal but it might fit you up in in the top five top ten
1: i think it won me gold at the Miller Baycom comp a couple of years back i did that so yeah okay yeah
0: yeah, yeah. you went for the splash in again yeah <laughs> um so the dives at the moment they do range from difficulty levels of 1.2 which is for a forward dive in tuck position so i'm imagining that's just you jump off, tuck your knees up and go straight down. Yep. That's, a, that's scored a 1.2, so probably not quite as difficult as the, the pencil splasher. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the way up to 4.8, which is a reverse 4.5 somersault in pike. So I've only ever been able to do that twice in, in my life, but 4.8 difficulty. So if you have a crack at that one and you do it well, you'll be winning gold. Um, and the criteria is essentially... How they score it um, is off your approach, so that you start position, the takeoff, the flight, so how you look in, in, in mid flight, yep. and also the entering the water, I believe is very important that you don't make too much of a splash as well. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty cool. Now, quickly, we're going to just touch on another type of diving high diving. Yeah. Um, it's been around for a little while, like they've been doing it since, I think, 1980. I saw some stats about um, some world records. They've just introduced in 2013 high diving into the FINA World Championships. And FINA is the governing body for your aquatic sort of um, sport world championships, so open water swimming, swimming, um, etc. Yep. Um, get this. If 10 metres isn't scary enough for you, the high diving competition, men jump off 27 metres, and females jump off 20 metres. And yeah, I got scared enough off 10, so there's no way I'm doing 27. Um, and it's said to be that divers reach speeds of over 90 kilometres per hour, which is amazing. Yeah. So I, I, get, I, I get a little bit nervous when I go 100 k's now in the, in the car. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's very fast. There is a few world records. Um, so there's a Brazilian by the name of Lázaro Schaller. Uh, he holds a world record for the highest dive ever, yeah. which he did in... I think it was 2015 i didn't write it down but 2015 in switzerland 58.8 meters he dived um i don't know why you'd want to do that i don't know either it's absolutely crazy um what i did see though i talked about before how gymnasts practice the diving to practice their tricks Mm -hmm. with less risk of injury i looked at the top 10 highest dives that's ever been completed and I think it was about six or seven of them broke a bone on entry. Ugh. And we're not talking like a broken wrist. We're talking broken femurs. Oh. We're talking a broken back. Some wrists and collarbones as well. But if you're jumping off something 50 or 60 metres high, what else do you expect?
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got to execute,
0: don't you? <laughs> <laughs> if, you if you just got the old pencil <laughs> and you have your legs out to the side a bit too much. Oh. Oh, yep. Yeah, it's you painful. break it in half. Yeah, I'm. I'm just feeling it right now. So, anyway, I will not be taking up the sport of diving anytime soon. I'll have a go at the three meter springboard, and uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's going to be my limit. So, that's diving, mate. Excellent, mate. Well, that just about wraps us up. Um, we are finished for another week now. Before we go, if you could please do us a favor, if you enjoy hearing what we're talking about, make sure you jump onto um, Spotify or um, Apple iTunes or whatever you're listening on. Give us a review and make sure you share it with um, people that uh, you love so they can hear us um, yammer on as well. Uh, more people can can hate us. That's it. And don't forget to jump
1: onto Facebook or Instagram and follow Project Sports HQ. Uh, we'll keep you up to date, obviously, with our latest podcast, but also with all the NRL and AFL news throughout the week as well. And we'll make sure that we're not like some grubby journos and, and just throw out useless information we'll just give you real stuff we'll give you the real stuff
0: yeah very good oh it's been very enjoyable again and uh, we'll catch you here next week